3: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus.
0: Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening. I want to thank you, too, for liking the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page, and thank you for posting on there. Thank you for uh, letting me know what's happening with you and your spirituality and recovery walk, and uh, also thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community, your other spiritual communities, your family, your friends, know about us here on unityonlineradio.org. It is great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality, and I am glad to hear that what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery is making a difference to you, that it's touching your heart, opening your mind, giving you some new ideas, some inspiration that supports you in your spiritual growth and in your recovery. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative, people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people and the guests that I have are always bringing in you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking you can listen to spirit of recovery in a variety of ways you can of course listen live via your smartphone uh, via your computer you can also uh, go to stitcher.com and download their app search for spirit of recovery you can um, listen via itunes if you have an alexa enabled device you can ask alexa to play unity online radio um, and you can also listen to the archives we've got seven years worth of incredible podcasts so through any of those avenues you can uh, locate those uh, podcasts and you can listen anytime you want to at your own leisure you can go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and you're going to find seven years worth of inspiring people so i invite you to do that I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction or you're just a person that's curious about uh, addiction, recovery, spirituality, you just want to know what it's all about, whoever you are, you're welcome here. I'm really glad that that you're here and you're welcome to make a comment or ask a question uh, to my guest uh, of the day for... Uh, on on their topic and what they're talking about. I always want to give a shout out to family members because that's my situation um, that there is recovery for family members. There's uh, 12-step groups, there's support groups, there's therapies, there's tons of books, there's all kinds of stuff online. So uh, family members, sometimes we get real focused on that person that's got the disease of addiction and we get all obsessed about them and we forget about ourselves and we become a burden to ourselves and others. So uh, recovery as a family member is a great gift and It helps us focus on our own lives and live happy, joyous, and free. I also want you to know that if you like uh, Spirit of Recovery or any of the other great programs on UnityOnlineRadio.org, and if you would like to financially support this nonprofit radio station, you can do that. You can text UnityRadio two seven two seven two seven from your smartphone and you can make a one time or an ongoing gift and that is always welcome if you want to do that. Again, my name is Anna Schaus and I am your spirit of recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor and I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And almost uh or over 36 years ago, those relationships got me started in an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and my walk continues to be an integration of unity and recovery principles, and that keeps transforming my life, and it keeps me growing in deeper and broader ways. So I am very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to share recovery and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. Well today we've got a very special program. That our program today is carrying the message living recovery. And um I've got a very special guest. My guest today and and uh, you'll hear a lot more from her today of course is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. And Lonnie is going to become the new host of Spirit of Recovery on March the 6th. Um I was really getting the message from my higher power um, a few months ago that um, I had probably completed what was mine to do for Spirit of Recovery. It's been wonderful. I've been uh very grateful to have to have had the opportunity and I it has made me grow in so many ways. And um, and uh I have had to really get myself out there and um Put out this recovery message, and it's made a big difference to me. It's helped me in my own life, and my own recovery, and I've met so many wonderful, incredible guests. And um, I was just getting the message from my higher power that it was time for me to let it go, to let someone else uh, move into this place, and that there's some other things that I need to be doing, such as writing. So um, that will still be a bit, very much a part of uh, the recovery, uh, community and spirituality. So, um, Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, um, today is going to share with us more about her story. She's been my guest a couple of times here on Spirit of Recovery. And she's also going to, um, talk a little bit about, um, her vision and what she's excited about, uh, for Spirit of Recovery. And, um, Lani has a Masters of Divinity from Unity School. She's a person in long-term recovery and she's also the founder of a recovery ministry called Unity of Spirit and she's the co-founder and executive director of the Sewing Labs which provides job skills to women who've been marginalized and blocked from the workforce and she's the co-owner of the mission-based business We've Got You Covered uh, which also employs women who um, are getting back on their feet and uh, gives uh, them a great opportunity. She She's also a peer recovery coach, and um, she's excited. She connects with the community in a variety of ways, and it's exciting. She's got a real heart for uh, social justice and for participation. So today, we're going to be talking about how the commitment to life firming fulfillment of our God-given calling uh, is the real gift in recovery, and that's certainly something that Lonnie lives. She's going to be talking about how we carry the message of recovery by living in wholeness ourselves. by pursuing the truth wherever it takes us. So, Lonnie, welcome back to Spirit of Recovery and welcome in a couple of weeks to becoming the new host and I'm just delighted that you're here today. Thanks for being here.
1: Well, thank you, Reverend Anna. I am I am just thrilled to be here myself. Um, as you know, I was quite surprised to receive your phone call that you had been called into another direction and uh, I'm just blessed to be here. Well, thank you.
0: Good enough. Yeah, thanks for Praying about it and saying yes. Yeah. God works in our lives and calls us into what's next for us. Uh, cause I had never thought of it either. When I started this seven years ago, um, it was a surprise to me. So I'm glad it was a surprise to you. That's how it is. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. So, um, so you are in long-term recovery. You've got 26 plus years, um, and I know you've got a powerful recovery story. And recovery's about a whole lot more than just putting down whatever the obsession is. That's certainly the beginning and, and an essential foundation that has to stay there, and it's so much more. So um, would you share a little bit with us about your recovery walk over these last 26 years?
1: Sure. Um, you know, it's really it's really hard to know where to start. When we when we talk in meetings, we talk about, you know, what, what it was like, what happened and what it's like now and and actually what we were like. And you know, that's one of the values that I still get by participating in recovery meetings at this point is that I get reminded of what I was like at that point because hopefully having been on this journey for a while, I have changed in some ways. And so, um, you know, I expected when I got into recovery that my life was going to become a bowl of cherries, <laughs> you know, that that uh, it was all going to be fine and dandy, and the only problem I had was the the um, substance abuse. And at that point, I expected things to straighten out. What I learned over time is that um, that's not necessarily the case. I uh, I ended up probably i i got um i got into recovery and then i could cope with my life because my life started falling apart and um and at that point i realized that i to to hang on and to survive my own stuff i needed to dive in and grab a hold of the tools that were being so freely offered to me mhm
0: mhm so it was like um that you know, again, like you said, I think sometimes that really happens is that people think, "Oh, good, I'm going to get in, in the get into recovery, and it's all going to be perfect." But then your life shows up, and it's like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I, I didn't bargain for this part." So, um, yeah, uh, it, but it's amazing because the tools of recovery work on all levels. It's it's funny, like they're principles, and so they can take us no matter what we're what's going on with us, if we keep picking up the tools, they can help us address pretty much anything. So what were some of the tools that you uh, used and still use, I'm sure?
1: Well, the very, very first one that I was taught was that um, it was the spiritual principle of step one, which was honesty. Mm -hmm. And, And at first, honesty meant, you know, I thought I was honest when I got there. I was cash register honest, as we say. But um, I was, I didn't know my motives. I didn't know my belief system. I was out of integrity in many different ways. I couldn't be authentic. Um, And so, you know, depending on how deep you want to take it, dishonesty permeated my life. Um, mm-hmm. And the very first thing I was told is I had to make my words and actions match.
0: What were some things without prying, but what were some things that how did you notice this, Because a lot of people, a lot of us think, okay, I'm cash registrantist. I don't take stuff that doesn't belong to me. But there's, as you say, there's a lot of layers. So oh, can you, what sure, was the way that sure. it showed up? What
1: was the way that it showed up? Okay, so words and actions matching for me means that I do what I say what I'm going to do and I Don't say I'm going to do it if I have no intention. So I had to start becoming aware of my intentions. Um, I'd be invited someplace I had no desire to go and I'd say, sure. And then I'd be thinking, well, what kind of an excuse can I make to get out of that? Because I don't, I don't want to do that. So that was one way it showed up. Another way is, is with emotional honesty or dishonesty. Um, it was never, it never felt very safe to share emotions in uh, my family of origin and so it was always um, somebody would say well you're mad about that no I'm not mad I'm not angry I'm not hurt whatever and trying to hide that as much as possible and what that turns out as an adult then is anytime anybody asks me how are you I'm fine Um, you know I was disconnected and out of touch with my emotion and And even though the physical signs and symptoms uh, were a flashing red light to other people who could tell that I had something going on, I couldn't get to it and I couldn't share it and I couldn't acknowledge it. Mm -hmm, For sure. Part of the denial process. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Were you, I'm curious, um, was it that you yourself didn't recognize what you were feeling or that you knew what you were feeling and you weren't going to tell anybody because it wasn't safe or,
1: or kind of a combination? Well, I have to say it's probably both, but it, it rested on not being able to identify my own feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, that started with, and I and I have to do a disclaimer here, I was also in heavy-duty therapy from the beginning. In fact, mm-hmm. it was my therapist that happened to be in the program that, after I'd been in therapy for a year, that said, uh, when I said, I think I might have a problem, and she said, I'll take you to a meeting. <laughs> and uh-huh. she, she handed me off to somebody. And so I was Basically escorted in, not under duress or anything like that. But, um, you know, because of that, I I had been learning about my emotions and I had to learn to identify them. Um, you know, I mean, I had mad, sad and glad and that was about it. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, and no gradations in between. I didn't understand that mad went all the way from slight irritation to rage. And for example. And uh, to identify where I was on that scale, how I got triggered, what I needed to do about it, but first I had to get honest about it. But that's right, that, that's right. the that's the quadrant that I was living in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's so common. I I can certainly identify with that. Um, and uh, it it's a, it is a lot of work, and it requires uh you know growth and and a sense of somehow beginning to develop a sense of safety. With oneself or other people or higher power, whatever. How did you go about developing a sense of safety, if, if that's relevant in, in your situation there, to be able to be willing to know what you were feeling and to, at some point, to be able to
1: share it? Um, I lost the last half of your question.
0: Okay. So it was, how did you go about developing a sense of safety? uh Because I think it takes safety to be able to identify and be willing to express feelings. How did you do that?
1: Well, with a very small circle of people. This Mm -hmm. is part of where, for me, showing up at meetings um, and having a group of confidants was essential. Um, You know, there's a line in the book that says, fear sobered you for a bit and And fear kept me engaged because I was afraid not to be engaged. But at the same time, um, there was no way that I could allow that to be the driver of my entire recovery process. And so um, So I would be invited to football gatherings on a Sunday and to, um, you know, to stay after and play cards on Saturday night and at the hall and, you know, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And the same six people showed up. The same six people were always available and always present. And so it's kind of like the scared puppy, you know, you wait for them to approach you and then you're gentle and kind and and pretty soon they learn to trust you. Well, that was, I was the scared puppy. Mm -hmm. That was the way that it worked for me. And it, it takes a while for, it took a while at that point for me to learn to trust enough to become willing to take the next step.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's that putting in one toe at a time, not jumping in all together. Sometimes that can be part of the problem, just jumping in and without really checking things out or giving yourself time. But that recovery is really about slowing down.
1: Well, it is. In a matter of fact, in almost all of the steps, it requires that you stop doing something before you can start doing something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. so that, that uh, I, I identify with that a lot. Absolutely. I have to slow down and identify what it is that I'm doing that's counterproductive that is um, keeping me stuck and then figure out what I have to do in order to move forward. And, of course, when guided by... A program such as any of the 12-step programs, I was given instructions because one of the first things I was told is you better get a sponsor or a mentor so that you have somebody that's been there, been down this path, that can share experience, strength, and hope and can share what the next step looks like. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Now, I know that part of your story that, uh, that you shared with me is that at some point you felt like you really got stuck that you were working your program harder but maybe getting more stuck
1: is that did that happen it absolutely did i uh, at probably about probably about 10 years in i i got stuck i got really wrapped up in work and there was an event that happened that shattered my self confidence and sent me into a spiral of depression and I just went downhill from there. I spent all my time working with others. I had ten or twelve people that I was working with at any given time. I was at two meetings a day. I was into the literature, and I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Um, you know, it was it was uh, physical health as well as mental and emotional health. Um, and, and you know the one of the uh, tools they say is to get out of yourself go help somebody else i was doing that every minute that i could and that did not seem to be helping me mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's like sometimes i think again in any of the thing that we do the the initial idea is is a good one but sometimes we can carry it when i don't know i've experienced this when i'm driven from pain within and i can end up obsessively doing things that could be good for me in moderation or are good for me in moderation, but then that just ends up not addressing what's going on inside. I'm still running. I'm, I'm misusing things to continue to run from what's going
1: on. So um, what did you do
0: when you found yourself uh, getting sicker?
1: Well, one of the alert members of my um, group said, perhaps you need another 12-step program. Mm -hmm. And the 12-step program that I got engaged in at that point, because she was a double winner, was one that addressed the codependency issues um, that I experienced. Because one of the things that I have seen and one of the things that I believe at this point is that in uh, situations that um, people that have addiction and codependency issues come out of, um, you know, they have more than one coping mechanism. And if the coping mechanism is codependency, we're basically selling ourselves. You know, we're, we're throwing ourselves under the bus in order to get our needs met. And so we don't have boundaries. We don't know how to stand up for ourselves. We don't know how to ask for what we want or need. And we don't even we're not even able to identify those things for ourselves. And so I had to get into a program that helped me learn about me, not the things that I did, not what my motivations were from that perspective, but more about what made me tick, um, who I was, um, basically coming out of the family of origin, what were my coping skills that I had learned that had, had kept me going so far, and then to quit using those <laughs> as part of my program, quit using those dysfunctional coping skills in my other program.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, so what were some of the things that you learned about you and how to take care of yourself?
1: I learned one thing that that sticks out in my mind is that um, if I'm still doing something, something that I have intellectually assented is nonproductive or damaging even, but if I'm still doing it, it's because there's a payoff for me. And that's where the search begins is what is the payoff? What am I getting out of this? And it goes much deeper than where some people stop when they say, well, it's just an ego trip or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it You know, I have to, to look around pretty deep sometimes to find out what's my payoff. This is counterproductive. This isn't what I want to do. Why did I do this again? Well, there's still a payoff for me somewhere. And so I, I that's one thing that, that just pops out at me that I have had to learn. Um, mm-hmm. I I learned all kinds of things about um, my manipulation, you know, about how I uh, could or would manipulate situations and people and language and all kinds of things to get what I thought I had to have out of it. Um, you know, which which takes it right back to to honesty. And the first step manipulation is not honesty because that's you know dishonesty of motive right right
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's powerful the um the uh what what were some of the payoffs i mean was it to be safe to be liked to be
1: get some recognition i think there were various ones deben- depending on the particular uh, circumstance, but even those are mid level in the layers. Mm-hmm. I think, I think most of mine came back down to a core, um, wound, if you mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. And the core wound had to do with abandonment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and one of the things that I, uh, learned in a, you know, a technical job that I had was, was something about root cause analysis. And it's, you ask the question why seven times and uh, i took it at a at a class in in unity and they said ask the question why 14 times why what why isn't that okay well here's my answer why isn't that okay why well because this you know and if you go that many layers deep into the question for me i would say 90% of of what um came up was abandonment because then i'll be alone because then right. i'll be abandoned because then there'll be nobody there because then nobody loves me and and I had to dig pretty deep to get to that, to realize that most of my motivation in life is based off of that core wound. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, well, that takes a lot of courage, and it takes a lot of um, vulnerability to do that. It sure does. Did you have support to do that? How did you, How again, how did you manage to... Uh, Develop the enough sense of safety to to look because that is deep. That's big.
1: Well, I I obviously had to have um, a, a core group of people around, and I would guess there was probably no more than eight. You know, six or eight people. And and a piece of my story that I haven't shared to this point was that the the illness that I had, the depression that I had, went so deep that I was off of work for almost ten years. And it, it um, and I just could not shake it, that depression, uh, no matter what I tried. And so I was I had the time and I was willing to try anything anybody said. And so I had this core group of people around, some of which were in both programs that I was in. So I was spending a lot of time with people that were supportive and nurturing and helpful and had some of the same wounds and some, you know, some of the Mm -hmm, same mm -hmm. um, uh, manifestations of those wounds as I did, which helped me feel accepted because I didn't feel like I was the odd person out. Like, they won't like me if they knew, you know, that kind of thing. Yes.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's wonderful. It does take that. We have to have uh, that kind of nourishment and i think that type of mirroring like you said that's that's such an important part of recovery at any depth or any uh time any level that sense that i'm not the only one i'm not some odd duck out here right yeah yeah that in itself i know some people like i remember um uh years ago john bradshaw who you know was uh did so much uh, he was a therapist and and also a person in recovery who did so much to talk about the the family dynamics i'll never forget it was the first time i think he was the first person i ever heard say this but that one of the big values of being engaged in recovery and going you know being with other people in recovery going to meetings going to support is that it reduces the shame it's like i'm I, it's not like something's bad about me. It's like all these people have had something very similar going on in their lives, and it's a big shame reducer, and that's key.
1: Oh, absolutely. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It just opens up, opens up that door, opens up that possibility for us to really, um, to really do what that work that you've been doing, and and that to get down into that place, and and that's really where the healing happens. Yeah. So, um. As you were healing and, and doing that work and, and you had said you were, you, know, you had been depressed for a while and weren't able to work, did your energy start coming back as you started addressing that deeper place, that deeper hurt?
1: I think it did. Um, it, it's kind of uh, unclear at this point because I was engaged in, in this second program just about the same time that I got engaged with uh Unity, I had been invited to church at Unity. And so I was all of a sudden exposed to this new set of ideas called metaphysics. Uh and while I had been reading Emmett Fox for years and years and years and trying to understand to the best of my ability what he was writing about, I had never been in a class where somebody explained about the power of the mind and about the ability to shift, um, a belief system. I was, I had shifted behaviors all over the place, but I still had some core beliefs that I couldn't let go of. And, and so I'm working the second program and learning about unity principles at the same time. And so they kind of blended together in my experience.
0: Right. That's great. It's time for our break, but when we come back, um, We'll have a brief meditation, and then I really want to talk to you about that, about your shift, uh, what happened in and shifting a belief system and as you got engaged with the unity ideas and, and concepts and principles and, and what that's done for you and how it blends uh, with your recovery. So um, thank you. My guest today is Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice, and she is talking with us about living recovery, and we'll be right back. Stay with us on Spirit of Recovery.
3: What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining Be sure to grab the latest issue of Unity Magazine and read the interview with Ram Dass, the iconic spiritual leader of the 60s. He's now focused on how to age consciously. Spiritual author Thomas Moore reflects on grumpy old men and women. And Barbara Bowen writes a touching story about her experience as a caregiver to her mother with dementia. To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to Unity.org and click on Publications.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. And if you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host, and I'm talking with my guest today, Reverend Lonnie VanderSlice, about carrying the message, living recovery. And Lonnie is a person in long-term recovery. She's also a Unity minister, and she's very engaged in the community in a lot of ways, um, in through some nonprofit uh, businesses that she's uh, works with that she's co-owner and director of. She supports women who are getting back on their feet, providing them with uh, work skills. And and with recoveries and life skills, and uh, she has an alternative unity ministry called Unity of Spirit, and she's also going to become Spirit of Recovery's new host starting on March the 6th, and today she's sharing with us about her story and about her vision for uh, what will be coming on Spirit of Recovery. So before I get back to my conversation with Lonnie, I'd like to invite you to join me in a brief moment in the Serenity Minute, just a brief moment to relax, to let go, and to make... Uh, that conscious contact with your higher power. So I invite you to relax, to feel that comfort and that ease of uh, God's presence, your higher power, however you define its presence, that love that's who you are, that's around you and within you, and allow yourself to relax, feeling relaxation from the crown of your head and allowing that relaxation to move all the way through the trunk of your body, through your arms and hands and your legs and feet. And allow your heart and your mind to relax and to open up and feel that place. that's just the quiet place that lives right inside of you all the time. And share with me this constructive idea. I'm safely connected to my higher power. I am never alone. I am safely connected to my higher power. I am never alone. And so now we take a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that that was an opportunity for you to let go and let God and to feel that comforting presence of your higher power always, always, always with you. And so now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Lonnie Vanderslice, and again, we're talking about living recovery and carrying the message so, um, Lonnie, before the break, you were talking with us about how you got into Unity. And, um, you know, there's an intriguing idea that that you brought up, and I think it happens to a lot of people. You said you'd been reading Emmett Fox for years. Um, and Emmett Fox is a, a New Thought writer, very similar to Unity. He studied um, the Fillmores, the Unity co founders. He studied their work and, and really uh, uh, sees them as his spiritual. Parents In a way, so he's similar, very similar to Unity Thinker. So how, how is that? When you were reading Emmett Fox before, you, you really came to Unity and started taking some classes. Um, so what changed for you? Then, then it sounds like it started to open out for you.
1: Oh, it absolutely did. What changed was I was given tools. Um, for example, I, what I got out of Emmett Fox prior to uh, coming to Unity was that um, the mind was a powerful thing. And in um, the program I was in, I heard about Stinking Thinking, and basically the tool I was given was stop doing that, stop thinking that way, catch yourself thinking down those lines that are non-productive and change the direction. Go help somebody else, go read something, pray, make a phone call. It was all change your thinking by taking a physical action, if you will. Mm-hmm. And when I got to unity, I understood the same starting point. The mind is a powerful thing, but then I was given a different set of tools, a different set of tools to say, um, uh, to identify that this is not the truth. that It was denials and affirmations, basically, this is not the truth of who I am. This is not the truth of the world. There's enough love for everybody. There's enough sunshine for everybody. You know, I, I am a beloved child of God, and I'm well taken care of, and I don't lack for anything. And to be able to, instead of having to take a physical action, to reprogram my thinking patterns in a different manner to deny what was obviously false in my life, and to claim what was also obviously true in my life um, was the major shift. And of course, there's a whole lot of metaphysical tools that uh, that Unity provides, and and I found those to be uh, very powerful in my life. In fact, the the, the most um, one of the first classes I took was with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck, and it was his Twelve Powers class. And it was uh, amazing to me to understand that my weaknesses were also my strengths.
0: Hmm. And it
1: was how I used them. I'll give you an example. Uh, perseverance. That's also the principle of the 10th step. Perseverance. Keep going. Don't let go. Well, I had a very well-developed uh, power of perseverance. I would hang on to something until it almost killed me. <laughs> you know, relationship, mm-hmm. job, um, addiction, etc. I did not have a well-developed power of release. I didn't know how to let go and they were certainly out of balance. And so to learn an, a set of tools that allowed me to evaluate where I am and to say, is this helpful or not? It gave me more tools to use. And that began to open up my mind and to allow me to um, to have changes that then reflected throughout my life.
0: Right. That's powerful. It, so it sounds like in a way maybe you were moving into an, an inner uh, sense of action or uh, – or, you said it earlier, I guess, before the break, changing your belief system from within, uh, going into that deeper place.
1: I, I believe that's the case because my, my personal experience and I know plenty of people that recover in one 12 step program and they're just happy, joyous and free and life is hunky dory. Right. I don't know how they do that because that was not my experience. But mm-hmm. what I, what I believe is that because of probably the codependency that went along with my addiction, the, uh, my ability to get to the deeper layers was hindered because yeah. all it did was dig a deeper hole. And so, I couldn't even identify my belief systems, let alone work on changing them, until I got a different set of tools.
0: Right, that makes sense. And One thing I always want to clarify, on, um, in terms of unity denials, tell us how that's different than what we commonly talk about in, in addiction about, oh, I'm he, they're in denial, meaning they're pretending like they don't have a problem. So share that a little bit with us. I always want to make that clear for people that they're different.
1: Yes, they are different. In addiction, being in denial is ignoring the truth uh, of what the situation is or what the circumstance is. It's ignoring it and pretending that it doesn't exist. In unity, a denial is acknowledging the erroneous belief system and consciously choosing to let go of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Great, great. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Because sometimes that gets confusing for people. But um, so you decided or you got called or you get the tractor beam of God sucked you in. I don't know how it happened, but you became a unity minister. How did that happen? <laughs> God's well, tractor my, beam. No, anyway,
1: <laughs> for that out. I'll let you know. <laughs> I do, it's, it's the same way I do everything else. It's what's the next right thing. Uh-huh. What is the next step? I, I cannot. I have I have a dismal track record of predicting the future. Um, you know, I can, um, my power of imagination is phenomenal. I can lay out all the best laid plans, but the problem is that people and circumstance don't cooperate. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, it doesn't turn out that way. And so I spent a lot of time being frustrated and angry and disappointed and all of those kind of things because my life wasn't turning out the way I wanted it to, that was another gift. Was that I did not understand that the only life I had any control over was my own, mm-hmm. and uh, I got that in the latter half of my recovery journey as well. And uh, and it was reemphasized with with uh, entry into unity because I can't reprogram anybody else's mind but mine. I can't I can't work on anybody else's um, issues. I can all I can do is share mine, which You know, this is how I did it. This is what it looked like for me. This is where it took me. This is what I learned from it Mm -hmm. to be able, you know, to be able to do it different. And today I'm not as disappointed, even though the people that I work with still choose to make mistakes I can see coming because I did the same thing. But today I have the ability to say, you know, I did that and this is where it got me. And it's your choice. You still have the ability and the responsibility to make your own choices around this. Let me know how it turns out for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And back from that. But for the sure. the, the, um, the journey to unity ministry was because I was so stuck and I got unstuck um, once I started learning some of these other tools. And I had a passion to to take these tools back into the recovery community in a way that would help other people that perhaps were feeling as I had felt. Right. I have been in a lot of meetings where I see somebody that's 30 years, um, 30 years in the recovery program and they're just there. They're not enjoying their life. They don't have a passion about anything. They're not zealous. It's just what they do. And, um, I, I, my own personal experience is life doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. What are some of the ways? I know, uh, you, your, uh, alternative ministry carries the message. The women you work with carry the message. I know you've had a recovery, um, celebration service at a Unity Church. What are some of the things you do, Lonnie, to carry that message into the recovery community?
1: Well, the, the message is carried in the fifth principle of unity and in the twelfth tradition of the twelve steps, which is you live the truth you know. You practice principles instead of personalities. And as one lives their life, conducts their business, uh, engages with their community by living principles, not personalities, and by living the truth, however much of it, living the truth that you know, People start going, oh, well, that's something different. That's maybe that'll work for me. And so we make in the business, we make conscious decisions based on principles. We make, um, we make conscious decisions based on individual, um, needs, you know, because you can't, you can't, um, administer a business on, based on the whim of whether you like somebody or you don't like somebody. But you can administer the, the, the business on the basis of um, what is the best thing I can do to show love? What is the best thing I can do to be supportive? How can I be helpful? And so showing up in the business, showing up in the community, showing up in the, in the nonprofit in a way that practices the principle that there's a spark of the divine within everyone And if given the opportunity and the nurturing, it will blossom. When we show up in that way, miracles happen.
0: Can you share one with us?
1: Well, let me think a minute. We had an employee that... um, we have several had several employees over the years. That um, these these women have come out of prison. They have been uh, in addiction treatment. They have worked to get their children back. They are in transitional housing. They're maintaining their uh, clean time and sobriety time, but yet their self esteem is fairly low because of where they've been in their life. They walk into the business and they're given a the key to the front door. They are trusted, and that to see somebody's face light up, to see somebody say, "What? you trust me?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know that they rise to the occasion Mhm,
0: yeah. Are they surprised, like the people that uh, I, I asked? Two, maybe the people that are employed in your businesses, and also the people that you deal with, maybe suppliers or just whoever you know. I don't know what kind of vendors or whatever you deal with. Are people surprised at the way y'all conduct your business?
1: Oh, I think they probably are because we're we're in the um, on the front edge of something called social enterprise, and there's not a lot of social enterprise around. You used to only hear of Tom's Shoes and a few others, and they're, and they're big companies, you know, and, mm-hmm. and here we are, this little bitty company in the corner of the city just doing our thing, and we're starting to get some notice for it, and And people want to know, well, how do you do that? Well, what's different about that? But we also have a recovery culture at work, and that is something that, you know, that's a piece of the, the basis. Um, you know, we don't... Um, I'm not going to say we don't tolerate, but but we're supportive. If somebody's having a bad day and they say, you know what, I need to go to a meeting over my lunch hour, I would say, great, go. You know, here, I'll right. take you. You need a ride? You know, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's what do we need to do to support you as an individual? People first. People come first. And it's really hard to explain. Uh, it's easier to experience, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What? So what do you mean
0: by a social enterprise business?
1: Well, a, a business that is a social enterprise uses the power of business to do social good, to solve social problems. And so the social problem that we are solving is um, is the one that has to do with, with reentry of uh, women into community. People that have been marginalized, pushed to the margins, they may have a felony record, they may have, um, you know, other issues going on that become accepted, they have a job, they're able to, to learn uh, a trade, it's a place for them to be while they go back to school, they're supported and protected and nurtured while they get their education, and then they can launch in the world, um, and it takes time, and it takes effort, because there's a huge mentoring component involved as well. It is not a an employee handbook kind of deal. Um, mm-hmm. It is a what does this person need? Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm guessing that uh, these women go on to have productive lives. I mean, it's not like Pollyanna. It's not like everything's all perfect. But I'm guessing that they get an amazing launch. Do you get? Do you hear good stories from them? maybe, after some of them have moved on,
1: well, we do. We have one person who's who's um, a multiple time felon who is in her third or fourth year at uh, a prestigious university here in Kansas City, went on a full scholarship and is going back into the same community she came out of. That's what her education is in to help others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and they tell a story in the program, and I wish I could remember it exactly, but it's about, it's about two people wandering around in the woods, and one of them knows the way out and, and leads the other one out. And after a long, arduous journey, they get to the edge of the woods, and they go, wow, look, there's sunlight. And they take five minutes, and they breathe, and then the first one says, come on, we're going back in. There's others. And that's right. what this is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hmm
0: so they're willing to reach out and help others as they've been helped or they've got new strength now, a new sense of confidence to go out and do that. So that's we amazing.
1: Know we know the path. We have uh-huh. walked that path. We know the path.
0: Right. I love that. I think that's where our world is going. Sometimes I get a little discouraged, but I really think that's where we're heading is learning how to do that, how to reach out and help others to do to go, dip. Help them go a the little bit of the step of the way that we've been, and then they can go a little farther and turn around and bring somebody else along. I, I think that's what it's all about for sure. Yeah. So, Lonnie, it's, um, you're going to become the new host of Spirit of Recovery. I'm so grateful. And you're going to just bring so much life and energy. we just got a few minutes left here Share some of your vision or your sense of uh, how you're gonna, what you're gonna bring to Spirit of Recovery, starting on March the sixth.
1: Well, that's a great question. I know what my <laughs> intentions are. Okay, good <laughs> enough. That's all you need. And yeah. we will see what actually unfolds from that. Uh huh. Um, this is. I guess my intention is, based on my personal experience of being stuck for so many years with 12-step, there's a line in the book that says, make use of what religious people have to offer. We are in but spiritual kindergarten. I heard that. I read that. I Part of my faith walk was that I tried many, 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 many different churches. I could not find anything that connected the dots for me. My intention with this um, this opportunity in talking about spiritual principles is to bring the dots closer together. I think more people can find um, the power. They can find the power in their life by, um, by gaining an additional set of tools, by understanding some metaphysics, by understanding the overlap that perhaps they're using it one way in a 12-step program, but there's more
0: mm-hmm. if
1: you want to keep going. And it does not require a particular uh, doctrine, dogma, or theology in order to make use of these tools. Wow, mm-hmm. and that's great. Go ahead. So, I'm what I'm thinking about is that um, there are spiritual principles under each of the twelve steps, and what I'm um, exploring with the guests that I've lined up is a particular spiritual principle, and then their experience of that principle, both in their recovery program and in their unity walk. Um, You know, how did they get from one to the other? How did they connect that dot? What difference did it make in their life?
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited to be able to listen and uh, (laughs) hear all that you're going to do. It's great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you're right. It's putting all that Putting all that together, putting it in so that we can all have a deeper uh, and a richer life. So that sounds great. I'm, I'm enthused. So, um, Lonnie, thanks for being my guest today. I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your journey and for sharing with us your intention and your enthusiasm for Spirit of Recovery and for what's coming.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the, the continuation of this journey. Absolutely. Me too.
0: So, um, uh, just want all the listeners to know that next week, this last week of February, I will uh, still lead off as the host, but then we're going to flip the tables, and uh, Lonnie's going to interview me. So I get the chance to tell you more about my own story and, and also about Spirit of Recovery and how it's how it happened and all the my gratitude for uh, the guests and for everything that's happened for me through this and, and uh, all the support that I've gotten from Unity, OnlineRadio.org, and just everybody it's been an amazing journey, so I'm looking forward to that. So, And then Lonnie will be the, the host on for uh, launching into the new era on March the 6th. So, again, thank you, everybody. Again, thanks, Lonnie. Thank you all for listening, and have a beautiful week. And we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery.
2: When was the last time you did something for the first time? Even if it's something you've done before, you can still choose to see it as if it were the first time. Why not look at your life with the eyes of a child? Children radiate joy and enthusiasm because everything they see and do is new to them. They are filled with awe. We can live in a world of wonder too. The thoughts we think and hold in our mind do affect our lives. Remember, choose to think on things that are lovely and beautiful and you will see your own world blossom and transform. Today, awake to the radiant beauty of every experience as if for the first time and see the positive changes in your world. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.